We are recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, and today we are gearing up for some WNBA free agency. Stephen, what's on the agenda for today? We are going to first kind of just lay out some uh, some terms uh, in terms of, you know, the different types of free agent that, that you can be or... or uh, some of these, you know, calling them a free agent is even a, a little bit loose, but, um, you know, the types of players that are no longer under contract, I'll say what the kind of salary parameters are, and then we'll kind of dive into to each of these teams in, in terms of, you know, what they have going on going into this offseason, maybe what some of their priorities should be for the offseason going into 2022. And then next week, we'll kind of take a look at it more from like the player's perspective, you know, how they should shake out in terms of, uh, you know, maybe changing teams or I don't know, I guess, you know, how, how interested we would be in terms of bringing them along. Yes, we're going to be doing this a little differently than last season. We did last off season, um, in which we kind of broke the players up into into groups by position. Um, but we hope this, this way will work as well. Before we get started, just want to say uh, that the vast majority of this information we're going to be citing today is courtesy of Her Hoop Stats which remains an excellent resource for uh, both beginner and longtime women's basketball fans. They really do a great job over there of making things both accessible and uh, putting out the details as well. So shout out to Hoop Stats for this amazing information. That was not an ad. Just, just wanted to say thank you, Her Hoop Stats. Um, and yeah, let's get started. Sure. So we should start with the, the salary cap uh, for this upcoming season. It'll be $1,379,200. And there are, I guess, sort of four categorizations of a player being out of contract. And the type of kind of out of contract free agent you are really depends on how many years of WNBA service you have when your contract expires. So Eric, what are the first couple options in terms of uh, probably the most familiar terms in free agency? Yeah, these are these are the most basic ones. So the first one is unrestricted free agent. That's pretty simple. It's a player can negotiate and sign with any team that has this salary cap space to sign them, basically. And then the restricted free agents, they can negotiate and sign with any team that has the space to sign them. But the previous team that player played for has the has the match rights which basically means that player can sign the what's called an offer sheet with another team but then the previous team has a little window of opportunity to match that contract and if that team chooses to match the contract the player is brought back to the previous team automatically on that contract now there are a couple other ones uh that you're going to go over yeah, that's right. So a reserved player does not have the requisite number of service years to become a restricted free agent or unrestricted free agent. And thus the previous team, uh, the, the team that they played for last season or whenever they last played, has exclusive negotiating rights if they decide to extend a reserved player qualifying offer. This will usually be, you know, a second, third year player often kind of leading to artificially deflated salaries for these players, making them uh, extremely affordable for the teams because, you know, they're the only team that can negotiate. So it's either they, they sit out the year or they sign with this this one team that they can sign with. And then uh, similarly, a suspended contract player, they did not play for their team during the final year of their contract before that contract expires. So uh, their previous team also has exclusive negotiating rights um, unlike a reserved player, you can see a suspended contract player, you know, that that's uh, an eight year vet, a 10 year vet. Um, all that really requires you to kind of fall under this camp is that you were 
you know, you, you did not play over the final year of your contract and were not granted a medical exemption uh, for that year. And then, you know, one other thing that we should talk about before we just get to kind of the salary numbers is the the core player designation that can be applied to unrestricted free agents. So the core designation is essentially a mechanism that teams have to keep one at a time of their unrestricted free agents. So you can apply the core designation to an unrestricted free agent. It's a one-year deal for the super maximum contract. So $228,094, as we'll get to momentarily. This is pretty much a mechanism that a team can use to stop an unrestricted free agent from honestly getting their unrestricted free agency. So if you are given the core designation, a player can either sign that one-year core deal or continue to negotiate for a longer supermax deal or, or a deal that's less than the super maximum. So you can pretty much sign whatever, uh, you know, you're not kind of limited to just that number. Like Neka Gumake, for example, last offseason was was given the core designation so she could not leave in free agency as Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray did, um, but ended up signing a multi-year deal for less than the super maximum. So it's, you know, just uh, a mechanism that that teams have to kind of, like we'll see, I'm sure, with a number of players, John Quill Jones, maybe Brianna Stewart, among others. So those unrestricted free agents uh, are getting paid their market value, but don't have true free agency, essentially. Yeah, that's that's a good way to, uh, that's a good example First off, using Naka Gumake there. Typically, you see uh, the teams use the core designation on their best player or their best unrestricted free agent just so they ensure they keep them. Unless, like you said, uh, the example for the Sparks uh, last offseason, using it on Naka Gumake while you know, letting Chelsea Gray and Candace Barker explore free agency. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before we move on, for these suspended contracts, we saw a lot of this um, after the bubble season uh, in, in 2020 because... So many players uh, chose not to play uh, during 2020. Typically, though, you'll see that for international players who just choose not to come over. Good clarification there. So before we move on, uh, we just wanted to get some numbers out there for a couple of the you know contract types. I guess the player super maximum, which uh, Eric, can you tell us who's eligible for the, the super max deal? Yeah, so basically um, a player on a rookie seal contract can, ba- can sign an extension um, effective for their fifth season in the league then they will qualify for a super maximum. Otherwise, the free agent needs to have five or more years of service and then sign with their prior team. So if you are bringing in a free agent from another team, like let's say Courtney Vandersloot was going to sign with the Seattle Storm, they, oh. would not, they would not be able to sign her to a super maximum deal uh, in outright free agency, but Chicago could sign Courtney Vandersloot to that deal. Uh, and similarly... Uh, Asia Wilson could have signed for the super maximum during her rookie extension window before this past season, but is now no longer eligible to sign it this offseason and will be limited to the lower maximum. That lower maximum is $196,267 compared to the higher maximum, as I mentioned before, $228,094. The Player minimums, if you are three or more years of service, $72,141. And the uh, lower minimum here for zero to two years of service, $60,471. So Eric, let's move on to our first team, the Atlanta Dream. What does their situation look like in terms of who they have under contract and who will be a free agent for them, I guess? All right. So they've got five players under contract for 2022. That's Cheyenne Parker. Tiana Hawkins, Kennedy Carter, Ari McDonald, and Maite Cazorla. Cheyenne Parker's contract 
is protected. Unrestricted free agents, there are a lot for this team. Uh, Courtney Williams, Tiffany Hayes, Elizabeth Williams, Odyssey Sims, Candice Dupree, and Blake Dietrich. Restricted free agents, just one, Monique Billings. And reserved free agents, just one, Crystal Bradford. And Crystal Bradford, perhaps just a nominal reserved free agent or, or set to be because if, I mean, Atlanta has already announced that Courtney Williams and Crystal Bradford will not be returning. So you imagine that Crystal Bradford will not receive her reserved player qualifying offer and will thus hit unrestricted free agency. But as of now, she's a reserved free agent. Uh, in terms of draft capital, they have their own lottery pick as yet to be determined, as yet to have a date to be determined. Uh, but that's because there's no lottery yet. Be neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, as well as the second pick in the second round. So some pretty good picks incoming for the Dream, as well as eight hundred and thirty-six thousand two hundred and forty-one dollars in cap space to fill that seven or so remaining roster spots. But they could also move on from Maite Cazorla or Tiana Hawkins if the new dream leadership doesn't really kind of see them as fitting the bill. So, I mean, Atlanta essentially has a blank slate moving forward aside from, you know, their two young point guards and their protected veteran Cheyenne Parker. What what do you kind of see as the overall goals for this team this offseason? Well, you'd have to ask them. No, I mean, you alluded to them having uh, like a new uh, management and, you know, they, they signed uh, Dan Padover previously working with the Las Vegas Aces as their GM. They have a new head coach in Tanisha Wright. So you're right. This is very much a blank slate and they have a lot of cap space, a lot of players leaving in free agency. So I think the first thing you need to do is look at, well, in my opinion, the first thing you got to do is look at Tiffany Hayes um, because she is probably their biggest name for unrestricted free agency. I mean, you could say, let's be honest, it was a very tumultuous season, both on and off the court for Atlanta. And they kind of, you know, answered some own, some of the questions that they were going to have to answer later with Courtney Williams and to a much lesser extent, Crystal Bradford, right? Um, if you already know that they're not coming back, that's money that can be spent elsewhere. Um, the other thing that I'm looking at is that they've only got one protected contract in Cheyenne Parker. The rest, I mean, you can have a maximum of six, right? So they've got a lot of money to spend. But, you know, in that respect, they've got to kind of choose their own direction. Are they a team that wants to rebuild? Are they a team that wants to compete? They've got a lot of space, but do they have a, a culture where star players want to play? Yeah, and I think their new uh, sort of face of the franchise from a, a front office standpoint in Tanisha Wright and Dan Padover are, are hoping to change that conception of, of maybe not being that that place you'd want to play but do you think this team should kind of be taking the the liberty approach of last offseason with sort of the hybrid rebuild and trying to kind of bring bring in two or three high level starters you know maybe not like dead bang superstars but players in like the 15 to 25 or 30 range of like best players in the league you know players that we might have in like the star tier rather than the superstar tier or you know kind of focus more on on less expensive veterans that can really help uh that can still help i should say kennedy carter and their incoming lottery pick uh and and ari mcdonald to a lesser extent develop i I mean what do you think about striking that balance for this team well what would a quote-unquote hybrid rebuild i mean that, that that's kind of a weird term in my opinion anyway uh what would that look like in in this offseason in terms of star free agents because last offseason Liberty they were able to acquire Natasha Howard and they were able to sign Benajah Laney is there is there a situation in which the dream would even be able to do that I mean I think you know they've got a star a budding star or, or a potential star in Kennedy Carter 
I don't know. I like, I would almost say build around her before kind of tying themselves down with a lot of money. You know, I mean, obviously they have the money to spend, but mm, you know, th this hybrid rebuild stuff, that, that's not always a guaranteed success. You know, I mean, you look at, you could see like the Indiana Fever tried to do that last off season and they ended up just spending a lot of guaranteed money for no reason, you know? So I think if you, if you, if you take the Liberty approach from last off season, you have to have a very clear approach to what you're doing. The thing that I think made the Liberty approach last off season still successful is that Laney and Howard still have a lot of years of basketball left in them. So like you don't mind spending a lot of guaranteed money in players that, you know, are still in the primes of their careers and, and still have plenty of prime years left. I'm not sure if they'd be able to get away with that in this free agency class, Stephen. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we obviously have no idea what Tanisha Wright and Dan Padover actually want to do, but it feels like the people around the dream or who follow the dream kind of want them to be as competitive as possible, as quickly as possible. But for me, I think the overall goals of this offseason would be, you know, bringing kind of some more sensible vets that can that can kind of help aid in the development of a, a Kennedy Carter in, in that lottery pick. You know, maybe maybe your big swing is a restricted free agent who will be a little bit younger than one of those unrestricted players. And, you know, trying to find some young, high upside flyers uh, in terms of kind of maybe some second draft players, you know, players who it, it didn't quite work out as imagined in their first stop. And then, you know, maybe leveraging their open books to take on a bad contract in exchange for one more decent draft pick. They have, you know, more cap space than, than most teams would know what to do with and some roster spots to fill. So I think taking on, you know, one or two spots worth of not maybe the best player with, with a high salary would be, would definitely be of interest to me if I was this team. Is that Steven, is that a T is that an approach you like to see bad teams take more often just taking on bad contracts in or uh, while, you know, taking on something good as well. Especially if you don't really have kind of the, the foundational sort of building blocks. Like this right, right, right. Th this team here, you know, they only really have kind of one player under contract, maybe two, who you think, okay, this team is definitely going to, uh, this player is definitely going to be part of the next really good dream team in, in Kennedy Carter. And, you know, maybe Cheyenne is around long enough for that as well. But, you know, it, it's not like this team is just kind of one or two like they're not the Sparks who were a bad team last year, but have a ton of kind of everything's already in place for what they're going to do, at least for the next season, right? They they have, you know, all the open uh, salary and roster spots in the world. So uh, so I would definitely be, you know, calling up a, a Dallas or, or something like that. Um, maybe maybe Minnesota who has, uh, you know, a Natalie Achanwa who might, make things easier if they were able to get off of that that contract but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see if they you know maybe do go after kind of those bigger name restricted free agents or if they you know maybe that's this is a spot for a, a tina charles or something who knows but anything else on, on the dream before we move forward how many of these unrestricted free agents do you think will be back if any i would say i mean i don't think odyssey sims will be back no i'll say i'll say one um, and it will be, I, I'd say either Hayes or Elizabeth Williams. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, you know, even Hayes, you know, she might be a potential trade bait as well, you know. All right, let's move on to the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. They have four players under contract for 2022. Candace Parker, Azra Stevens, Dana Evans, and Ruthie Hebert. For unrestricted free agents, we have 
a lot of familiar names. Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, Kalea Copper, Steph Dosen, and then Astu Dufall, Restricted Free Agents, Diamond to Shields, and Lexi Brown. They have no reserved or suspended free agents. Their draft capital uh, is the seventh pick in the first round, no later picks for them. And then they have just over $900,000 to presumably bring back as many of their free agents as possible, Eric. So, I mean, how are how are you feeling, I guess, going into this open books free agency for, for the reigning champs? I think myself, as well as a lot of other Sky fans, are expecting to not be able to keep all these players. Financially, I just don't think it'd be very feasible. Obviously, you know, Vandersuit and Quigley, you... You, you think they might be kind of a package deal, but both of them are getting up there in age as well. And there's a lot of speculation, you know, well, what if Quigley retires? Then would Vandersloot want to come back? Or, you know, Kalia Copper has certainly earned a larger contract with that finals MVP performance. Steph Dolson, I think, is a, as you'd like to say, a malleable asset for basically any other WNBA team. And, you know, like Diamond Shields, her performance the last couple seasons have, has been pretty disappointing. So will some other team offer her more money as a restricted free agent than this guy will be willing to spend. So I, I think, and I think you would agree with this, this guy as the champions, they're not, they're not really close enough to a rebuild. They're not really closer to a rebuild than they are another title run. So I think they should just like resign as many players as they can and try to reload again for next season. What do you think? Yeah, I think any any incoming free agents this team brings in will probably more be kind of on the margins, you know, minimum deals, training camp type contracts, unless, you know, way more of their free agents leave than than we would expect. So of their of their five players from their core, you know, seven player rotation, I, I guess, come, you know, playoff finals time, three of them I think are pretty much musts to bring back if this team wants to kind of be in the same you know, in championship contention, I guess, next year. And that would be Vandersloot, Quigley, and Kalea Copper. Like, you have to really bring all those players back. What Would you agree with me? Like, there, there's no Absolutely. way you can kind of lose one of them and still be the same type of team. Absolutely. And uh, Copper, especially because you look at both her and Shields as maybe their skill sets are somewhat redundant. Copper, obviously, um, has has produced much more than DeShields over the past two seasons. But if you lose Kalia Copper in free agency, if you're this guy, then I feel like the pressure is on to keep Diamond DeShields. As as a restricted free agent, like I said, other teams are going to be out there lurking. And I don't know, like her value as a free agent might not be as high as it would have been a couple of years ago. But as I was saying, if if you're going to, if you lose Kalia Copper, you got to keep Diamond DeShields. You're kind of forced into maybe paying a little more for Diamond DeShields in her recent production would would have you comfortable doing so yeah vandersuit quigley and copper for certain and honestly like dolson maybe as well i I don't think she's a must but her performance in the playoffs i think she does have a role on this team and her performance in the playoffs would suggest that you know when she's on the court you know this guy can do some things you know when compared to other players and they just can't so i think in, in that order actually vandersuit quigley copper Dolson maybe make the case for copper over quickly but I think that's pretty a pretty good order yeah I would agree with you and Dolson you know frankly at this point I think is just a better player than Diamond to Shields I think Chicago probably has more depth at that spot you know if a stew is comfortable coming back and they have Ruthie and you know for the wings Chicago really I mean they don't have anything right now because copper's a free agent but assuming you have (laughs) copper uh you know there's there's not a, a ton at the wing, you know. Maybe you'll bring back Lexi Brown on another minimum, but 
Yeah, I, I think even with the lack of depth Chicago has at the wings, I would still be prioritizing Dolson because of so, what, what she does open up for you on the offensive end and her improved defense as well. So, you know, I, I'm i having such a hard time kind of figuring out what Diamond to Shield's next stop is. It, it seems like I, I just don't imagine Chicago is going to be able to bring her back. Just, you know, there's a lot of intrigue there in terms How of— How do they afford it? Like, yeah, there's, exactly. There's no way. And, and with, with everyone else— you know, coming up for a free agency. It just seems like Diamond is is one of the odd players out, and honestly, maybe Dolson as well, just uh, depending on kind of how much she demands and how much, you know, if, if any of their other players kind of take a little bit of a, you know, what what can you get the combination of Vandersloot and Quigley to sign for, you, you know, because you can't afford all three all three of Vandersloot, Quigley, and Copper to come back on their market value, honestly, on, on what right. they could get if, in a true kind of open right. market here. So let's move on to, I suppose, the Connecticut Sun, unless you have uh, anything else on Chicago. No, I think uh, I think Chicago is pretty straightforward. Yeah, uh, and Connecticut also very straightforward. They have six players under contract for next season. Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, Jasmine Thomas, Brianna Jones, Dijanae Carrington, and Kyla Charles. For unrestricted free agents, they have John Quill Jones and Brian January. For restricted free agents, they don't have any. Reserved, Natisha Heideman, Stephanie Jones, and Beatrice Mon Premier, and then no suspended players. For draft capital, they have the final pick in each round, and then $505,484,000 for a team that is almost certainly only going to once again play with uh, 11 players next season. I mean, there's they basically have no choice. Duana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas, and Jasmine Thomas for that matter, are all making a lot of guaranteed money. And to make matters worse, the league MVP is an unrestricted free agent. So um, pretty straightforward stuff here. I think if you're the Connecticut Sun, you do whatever you can to keep John Cole Jones and then fill out the rest of your roster on very cheap contracts. Is there anything else to it? I mean, so you're going to want to re-sign John Cole Jones to whatever contract she's comfortable with. Uh, Absolutely. The, the longer, the better. Uh, of course, for this the sun, but you know if she wants to, you know, there, I guess there's there's no hardballing. I I think in this one, like maybe with Courtney Williams a couple years ago, and then the rest of the roster you're filling out with uh, inexpensive contracts. For they'll have essentially about eighty thousand dollars for kind of the last spot after JJ, after one three plus vet minimum, which you imagine would be Heidemann, and then after one zero to two year vet minimum. And then their first round pick. You, you imagine those would be kind of the back end of the rotation or the back end of the roster players. And then you'll kind of have $80,000. So it would require a steep, steep pay cut to be able to bring back Breon January, who made over $121,000 last season. You know, maybe she's she's near the end of her career and she just wants to play for the best team possible and, and thinks Connecticut is that situation. Or, or maybe they'll have to find kind of a more you know, fringe difference maker for that 80,000 or so, which we can get into who those options might be next week. Okay, well, what I was going to say was, um, looking at this team, this really brings me back to the point that, uh, of the point of the CBA kind of essentially squeezing out mid-level veteran players. You know, when you look at these contracts, they've got so much max money or super max money or, or close to max money invested in their in their top level players the Sun basically have no choice but to fill out the roster, the rest of their roster with the cheapest contracts possible, you know? And typically, those are cheap rookies or cheap young players. And that kind of leaves the the veterans who aren't really max caliber veterans kind of out to, out to dry, you know? So, Brianne January, that's, that's, that's a good point. I mean, she 
she made, you said, 121K last season. A big part of the Suns' defense-first identity, but I don't know if they'll be able to afford to keep her. Yeah, I very much doubt that they will, unless JJ really kind of takes a, a, a haircut, which, you know, she definitely should. She shouldn't. No. Yeah, get get every dollar you can, I think, especially when you're the, the reigning MVP here. Uh, and honestly, you know, they're only able to do this because Brianna Jones was so underpaid last offseason at 120K. That's know. right. Um, but let's uh, let's move on to the Dallas Wings. What does their situation look like coming into this offseason? Okay, so they've basically got an entire team under contract already. Um, they've got 13 players under contract. Uh, Mariah Jefferson, Alicia Gray, Isabel Harrison, Kayla Thornton, Charlie Collier, Abak Queer, Satu Sabali, Chelsea Dungy, Bella Allery, Taisha Harris, Marina Mabry, Ariki Agunbowale, and Luisa Geiselsoder. They have no unrestricted free agents, no restricted free agents, no reserved free agents, no suspended free agents, nada, zilp, zich, zero. This is uh, very similar to last offseason where they had one free agent, and that was Alicia Gray. So they have, you know, along with a full plus one roster, they have two first round picks, uh, a lottery pick incoming from the Sparks as well as their own pick, which will be the sixth pick in the first round in a pair of third rounders. Um, and they don't have room, salary room or roster room to sign those first round picks. They have <laughs> $15,000 in cap room still with plenty to be sorted out. So, you know, I don't know. I think this team is still maybe hoping for that kind of big trade, you know, packaging some of their pretty decent young players and their pretty decent draft picks to acquire that one star maybe. But how are you feeling about, I guess, just you know, what what they've put together so far and what they should be doing in this offseason. It's just, this is a phrase I've been using for the Dallas Wings, just kicking the can down the road. Like, they have so many, so much um, draft capital, as you like to say, uh, and so many of these young, cheap players. I mean, they've already got their roster filled out, entering free agency. So where is the improvement coming from relative to next, or, or, or in regards to next season? They made the playoffs in 2021. But whereas, like, they aren't in much of a position to sign anyone else. So you have to either look at it as, as you said, um, consolidating some of their assets, and, you know, whether that be draft picks or preferably players because they need roster space, or, you know, in order to acquire a, a bigger name player, or in-house improvement. So I don't know. I mean, this is kind of an interesting situation to me because... You know, I mean, all these all these young players, they're all unprotected salaries, and they're all pretty cheap, so it would be easy to move them. But I don't know how much value, you know, maybe a team looks at Bella Allery or Chelsea Dungy and says, you know, hey, yeah, we can we can get something out of that player. We, we can work with them. But I think I'm inching towards the wings just running it back. You know, I, I don't know how much value many of these players have. But even with running it back, a tough decision is going to have to be made because... Oh, yeah. Even to afford, you know, let's say uh, Louisa Geisel Soder. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. You know, let, let's say that she's not in their plans for next season. You're still looking at cutting either Chelsea Dungy or Ty Harris to be able to bring in both from a roster and cap space perspective. I mean, from a, a roster perspective, you might need to cut both. But from a cap, cap space perspective, you know, cutting what a very recent first round pick to bring in your incoming first rounders. So... For me, this is definitely a team where, you know, I think I I would be happy to package, you know, the sixth pick with one of Jefferson or Harrison, you know, both valuable players and, and players that are not terrible. Like, you know, they, they can definitely do some things for you. But 
if my consolidation trade is taking kind of the worst pick I, I had over the past two seasons in that sixth, you know, their own first this upcoming draft to move off one of the veterans and maybe even, you know, throwing Chelsea Dungy in that trade just to really kind of open things up and make life a little bit easier, maybe allow yourself to bring bring a free agent in. Uh, I would be more than happy to do that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have any takers, but that certainly Gray, I think, is in their plans. But, outside, you know, Jefferson or, or Isabel Harrison, Kayla Thornton, do you see those players kind of bringing you back something rather than having to to attach something? Thornton, I think, is un- no. undoubtedly a positive player, but but the other two are a little more questionable. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I was kind of surprised that Harrison was even back for for this season. Uh, and maybe you know she she played pretty well, uh, I think. But you know, like like you said, not really factoring into their future plans. Mariah Jefferson definitely not factoring into their future plans. And when two of your three highest paid players are not factoring in your future plans and they're on protected contracts, well, then it, it gets it gets a little hairy. You, you, you kind of almost have to wait it out. Or like you said, attach something good in order to basically unload those contracts. So we'll see what the wings do. Um, you know, like you said, Jefferson and Harrison can still contribute some things, but who is going to be willing and, of, of course, who has the space to take on those contracts so that the wings have a little more flexibility on their books? Yeah, tough choices I think for for Dallas again. Kicking, I think they did okay kicking the can down last off season, but unfortunately they 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 might have to do it again. You so do it again, yeah. Speaking of uh, perhaps questionable off seasons last year, the <laughs> Indiana Fever are coming into this off season with eight players under contract, including two signees from last year, John Tell Lavender and Daniel Robinson. They also have Tiffany Mitchell and Kelsey Mitchell, Kaiser Gondrasic. Aliyah Wilson, Tierra McCowan, and Florencia Chagas. I'm sorry, I'm sure I mispronounced that. Jessica Breland as an unrestricted free agent. Lindsay Allen as a restricted free agent. For reserved free agents, Victoria Vivians, Bernadette Hattar, and Chelsea Perry. And then Julie Alamond on a suspended contract. For their draft capital, they have two firsts, which is good news for them. Their own lottery pick and the 10th pick from Minnesota. You'll remember uh, from the Odyssey Sims transaction and a pair of third rounders, as well as 431,669 in cap space, which comes out to probably just under 300K, you know, after they sign those two first round picks. What what are your priorities for the Indiana Fever this offseason? Well, because those Lavender and Robinson contracts are going to be pretty difficult to unload because uh, they're guaranteed for the next two seasons. You know, I mean, we, we saw this coming, right? Uh, I mean, they have cap space, but I don't know who's going to want to play there. Honestly, Steven, because they're a bad team without a ton of flexibility. And I don't know, man, like that Julie Allemand contract is, is obviously a must. You know, she's a, a very skilled offensive player who showed good things in, in her rookie season in the WNBA. But even then, what is the Fever's route to becoming a good team? And, like, are they even on a route to, to becoming a good team? Can they do anything this offseason? Like, they, they really tied themselves down with those those veteran contracts. I mean, they're going to have Breland coming off the books, and I'm I'm guessing she won't be back. But even then, even then, they yeah. have to rely on some, some major improvement from the players already on their roster. Yeah, I was just going to say, unfortunately, you know, the, the teardown hasn't come yet for the build back up to occur. But I think, you know, there's still... Like I said, they have almost $300,000 in space to, you know, maybe 
call Dallas, see if they want to negotiate. There's some other teams that I think might want to get off a protected veteran and might be able to, you know, attach something in that type of deal. So just getting as many bites at the Apple, I think, between their two first round picks, you know, looking at some young flyers in one of those type of deals or another, like we were saying with Atlanta, trying to find those kind of second draft type players, maybe, you know, going after... I think even less so than Atlanta, Indiana should be a player for restricted free agents because like how does, you know, a Heinz Allen or, or a Diamond to Shields really kind of take this team forward? Like I think this they're still so far from that, that that they shouldn't even really be looking at kind of big, you know, big, uh, big salary type free agents. But, you know, this team's never missing the lottery again, as as Tamika Catchings has That's said right. multiple times. But if this were me, like my list of priorities would just, you know, use this cap space to to try to get an extra first somehow, like the Odyssey Sims thing last year. Do that again, you know, find a team in a bind and, and try to get some sort of sweetener, um, you know, for in, in exchange for doing business. I would happily take the sixth pick in the draft this year to take on Mariah Jefferson or something like that and come into this draft with three firsts, you know, maybe see if Tiffany Mitchell, you know, someone wants to give up, like would Atlanta, for example, be interested in giving you the second pick in the second round for Tiffany Mitchell uh, on the last year of her deal. So just try to get it as kind of, you know, the elements of this team that aren't really part of your future. So if you can get anything you can for that, you know, Kelsey Mitchell, I think is still kind of the one thing that you really hold out and, and, you know, tier or McCowan to a lesser extent, you know, those players are probably not, I'm not making phone calls to, to try to get off of them by any means. Um, but if, if there's value around anything else, just kind of see what you can sort of bring in. I think that's a good approach. That's a good approach. I, I think because like, you know, you're not going to be contending next year as whatever Tamika catching says to the media, they're not going to be contending next year. So, and as we said earlier, uh, cheap contracts, rookie contracts, you know, teams with um, a lot of protected money in veteran players, they got to load up on, on cheap contracts. So if you're able, so I would definitely, I'll, I would agree with you. I'd, I'd be willing to take on an Izzy Harrison or, or, or some other big contract in order to also, you know, get a cheaper, get use a, use a roster space on a cheaper contract that, you know, hopefully there's a player that you're going to be looking at to develop for the future. It's just, it's just difficult for this team because they don't really have much, a ton of that cap flexibility. Like I said, those Lavender and Robinson contracts, they're going to be going through next season as well. So, you know, free agency, it's not just a, what are we doing for 2022? It's what are we doing for 2023 and beyond? Um, And looking at the fever, uh, they got some work to do. So let's move on to the Las Vegas Aces, who have five players under contract for 2022. They have Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Derricka Hamby on protected veteran contracts, as well as Jackie Young and Destiny Slocum. Also have the rights to 2021 unsigned draftee Ileana Rupert, who will be about 65000 if she comes over next year. For unrestricted free agents, some pretty good players in Liz Cambage, Angel McCautry, Raquana Williams, and Kia Stokes. For restricted free agents, they have Asia Wilson, reserved free agents Jisoo Park, no suspended players. Uh, They have all their own draft picks, so that would be the 11th pick in each round, as well as just under $725,000 in cap space, but a bit of a difficult cap situation, at least for this offseason, because they have two max contracts coming off the books in Cambage and McCautry. But one of those slots are, you know, instantly going to be replaced with Asia Wilson's new max contract as she comes off her rookie scale deal. So, 
you know, for Vegas, it's it's kind of building around that new salary structure, which, you know, you're looking at after Asia's lower max and their first round pick and bringing over repair and probably re-signing Park to the minimum. That gives them nine players. So I'm just going to lay out a couple situations here. They can bring in two more kind of zero to two year minimums and have just under the supermax level via a sign and trade or probably more likely, you know, if they bring in one more lower maximum player, they'd have about 130K to disperse between the two final spots, which isn't quite enough for for two more minimums or for a zero to two year vet a zero to two year minimum and a three plus vet minimum. But if they can shave, you know, if they can get someone to shave a couple bucks, maybe it's the incoming max, maybe it's Asia Wilson, they can fit in that that kind of higher experience level vet. Otherwise, it's probably looking at, you know, four total zero to two year minimums and I guess, you know, eight or nine pretty good players, which, you know, it could be worse, I think. So I guess the question that I have for you without getting into kind of specific players that we want to target if you are the aces and you're bringing back Wilson and you're losing the players that you're losing, would you want that other maximum deal, you know, an outside free agent that you're bringing in? Is that going to another traditional big or are you kind of looking more at the wing there? I'm looking at the wing and I do have a player in mind actually on the wing, uh, but we can save that for next week. Uh, I think if you're the aces, and you're looking at well. First of all, you need to look at last season and, and, and what happened. Is Liz Kimbeish coming back? Um, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's it's an issue because they have two max players coming off, you know, or two players coming off max deals. But one of those max deals is automatically going back to the franchise player in Asia Wilson. And both of the players coming off max deals, you know, you have some questions about. We don't know what Liz Kimbeish's deal is. Like, is she going to come over next year? Is she is she in a, a good enough place where she wants to play for the Aces next year? And for Angel McCautry, I mean, it was incredible what she did in 2020, but the fact of the matter is she is an aging player coming off yet another knee injury. Um, so do they do they roll the dice on that again? I mean, do you want to tie yourself down with, with questionable veteran contracts, as you like to say? So And then keep in mind, you know, in, in 2023, you've got both Kelsey Plum and De'Erica Hamby coming off the books, and those are players who I'd assume you want to do whatever you can to keep them as well. So I think... I would go with the wing going back circling back to your question i would try to target a free agent wing first because it just seems to me like bigs would be easier at, 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 in the in the aces position and in, into target in the wnba draft when you're looking at bigs for the aces I, it just seems like those are players you look to fill out the end of the end of your roster you know that a lot of your offense and a lot of what you want to do in general is going to be through asia wilson so it's not like you're looking to bring in a big that's going to have to make a, a huge impact, right? You just want to sign a big to bolster your depth a little bit. Uh, maybe Jisoo Park gets a larger role next year. I don't know. But, I mean, the way I see it, that that those cheap contracts are going to have to take on, I think you use those on, on, on draft picks uh, for bigs. Um, what do you think? Yeah, and they do already have a couple of those spots dedicated to, to young kind of big type players in, in repair well. and, and park, you know, those are two kind of end of the bench type, you know, I'm sure they could bring Kia Stokes back at, at the minimum or something like that. She's not going to get a big, you know, free agent deal and, and she'll probably play 30 minutes a game for Bill Lambier. Um, but I mean, I, I think there's like, there's one or two specific targets for each of those where like, if you can't get this person, then maybe I, you know, if you can't get this high profile, big, 
none of the other ones really, I think, fit well enough with Wilson to where maybe you transition to the wing or vice versa. But I mean, if you get John Cole Jones, go ahead, get, get yeah, John Cole Jones, but uh, or, realistically speaking. Yeah, and I mean, they also, you know, have Hamby, and we know that Wilson and Hamby can be a, a really effective 4-5, you know, matchup against 99% of uh, WNBA lineups, you know, with the exception maybe of, of Brittany Griner. But how often are you going to face Brittany Griner in a yeah, five-game right. series? So, um, so yeah, I think, I think wing is probably the way to go, and I think there are some good ones that can really, you know, fit with what they, with what they want to do here. You want to move on to the LA Sparks? Yeah, let's do it. They have uh, they have a lot done. Not not a lot to figure out for them, um, but more than than some of these other teams for sure. They have nine players under contract and six protected veterans out of those nine: Neka Agumake, Christy Tolliver, Erica Wheeler, Gabby Williams, Amanda Zowie B, and Shanae Agumake are their protected veterans. They also have Brittany Sykes, Jasmine Walker, and Arella Garantes under contract. They also have a pair of unsigned draftees, neither of which I am familiar with. Um, for their free agency, they uh, Nia Coffey is said to be an unrestricted free agent. They have no restricted free agents. For reserved free agents, Maria Vidiva, Taya Cooper, and Lauren Cox, and then no suspended players. Um, draft capital for this team Three second rounders, uh, two pretty good ones, the third and the fourth from their own and Washington's respectively, as well as the seventh pick in the second round from the Chicago Sky, and the Sparks also have their own third round pick. So 157K and about a half or so in cap space for this team to, you know, the priority for this team is really just kind of rounding out the end of the roster around their core of six veteran players. Um, and trying to make as much noise as possible in essentially the second year of this two-year window where um, almost everything could have gone worst-case scenario in the first year. So uh, everyone is is off the books after this season. So, you know, just being as competitive as possible, I think, for, for this year and kind of rounding out the end of this roster. But the tricky part, I guess, is, you know, from a, a roster standpoint, they can't really bring everyone back. You know, we talked about how they have nine players currently under contract and then four additional free agents and, you know, only enough cap space for about 78 or so for the remaining two roster spots if they want to go with 11. So their their path forward essentially I think can go in, in one of a few ways, which is cutting Brittany Sykes, who was very good for them last year, and I don't think they'd want to do that, but is really their one unprotected six-digit salary to free up enough room to bring back some of these other players, try to trade one of their protected players or Brittany Sykes, who maybe they can get uh, a good return, or you know maybe Shanae Gumake with, with all the physical ailments that she's been dealing with. you know Maybe Shanae decides to retire, but I, I don't think they can really count on that happening. So it, it's almost a certainty that I think that they won't be able to bring back both Sykes and Nia Coffey. So and ne- never mind their reserved free agents or their draft picks. So it- it's going to be, again, some tough decisions for this team for the-, the back half of their roster here. It's interesting looking at this at this cap sheet because they've already got the maximum amount of protected veteran salaries with six uh, for this offseason. But like you said, they're all off the books next offseason. So I think you need to look at, you kind of need to look forward here and say, okay, how many of these players are we going to be, you know, looking to keep for next offseason? Because 
you know, I mean, obviously, Neko Gumake is, is going to be your franchise player, but Christy Tolliver, you know, I mean, she's getting up there in age. She might want to want a chance at a ring somewhere else. Uh, Gabby, like, Gabby Williams is interesting because they traded for her last season, but her contract was suspended. Um, Zowie B and Shanae Gumake, this is interesting because while they're both protected contracts, they're kind of on the lower end of that spectrum, uh, Ogumake in particular, but neither Zowie B's contract nor Ogumake's contract is an albatross. So you might be able to move those. I don't know, man. You, you kept saying the Sparks can't bring everyone back, but should they want to bring everyone back? They missed the playoffs last year. They did miss the playoffs. Uh, I think it was a little bit of extenuating circumstances, of course, with NECA missing so much time. Chris yes, but Christy even, even if missing the, so much time. But even if those circumstances didn't exist, what would the ceiling of that team have been? Yeah, you know? probably not very high, but I don't right. think LA views it like that. Um, and they, I mean, I'm sure they think Gabby Williams is, is a difference maker uh, within this core. I would not agree with that. I, I mean, we'll see. Maybe one day Euro League Gabby will turn into WNBA Gabby. Uh, <laughs> we haven't seen it yet, but who knows? It doesn't really do a heck of a lot to address uh, what they were bad at last season. That's true. So while you could look at Gabby Williams as a new addition, it's like, well, okay, you added another defense first player to a team that was already pretty good on defense and already terrible on offense. Who was not really respected from the three-point line. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess... In terms of kind of the end of the roster here, do you, I guess one thing that, that keeps sticking out to me with regards to kind of what you're talking about is I don't think this team is good enough to go in, to want to go into the season with 11. Like to me, if you're going in with 11 players, like that means that you're kind of maximizing upside and, right. and kind of really shooting for the championship. And I just don't think this that this is that type of roster to me. No, that's that's a good point, Stephen, because typically, like, like you said, it, typically if you're going into a season with 11 players on your roster, that means usually that you already used all of your cap space on a lot of really, really good players. And I'm not seeing that with this team. So So they're gonna have to figure out if they if they're gonna keep Sykes, then it probably is looking at eleven. I think they can get something pretty good for Sykes, or maybe it's like you said, Amanda Zowie B or Shanae. Like those two protected veterans to me, especially with Maria Vadiva potentially coming back, they're not really an integral part of this team's short term success in the way that their other, you know, that NECA, Christy Tolliver, Erica Wheeler, and Gabby Williams. Like those those four players to me are kind of above the pecking order than than Amanda Zowie B and Shanae Agumike. You know, obviously it's it's tricky to trade Shanae Agumike. You know, she works at ESPN in Los Angeles. She's obviously NECA Agumike's sister, but she's been there for three years. She's played in 39 total games. Hasn't really, to me, been the same player that she was when she was in Connecticut. I don't really know kind of what the the market value out there is for any of these players. Again, aside from Sykes, but I, I don't think they like Sykes is so, I guess like matches their identity at least for this team last year so much that I don't know that that's really kind of even on their radar. And maybe they're just okay with bringing back eleven and not signing any of these second round picks. And uh, you know, it's just the players they have on roster plus Vadiva and Cooper, and and they don't really care that they have three seconds. That's a good point. Now, Nia Coffey had a had a pretty good year last season, um, better than I think either of us expected her to have. Uh, how much of an effort do you think the Sparks will will make to bring Coffey back? And if they can't, do you think her value on the market has increased? It definitely has increased. I mean, she you know she's a, a player that can defend multiple positions. She I think has pretty well answered the questions about her 
low shooting volume. You know, for years she kind of had this this pretty decent percentage, but would take a very low number of attempts, and she was really kind of thrusted into more of a shooting role last year um, and made a really, really respectable percentage of them. There, I just, it, again, it seems like it's either going to be Sykes or Coffee, and, you know, with all the campaigning for Defensive Player of the Year for Brittany Sykes and everything like that, it, it, unless, again, they're able to kind of move on from one of these other players, which who knows, maybe they don't even want to do. I think Coffee is, you know, pretty certain to be kind of one of the the better free agents to to change teams this year. All right, cool. We can address that next week. All right, you want to move on to Minnesota? Yeah, what are they looking like coming into this year? All right, Minnesota has eight players under contract for 2022. Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, Natalie Achanwa, Damaris Dantas, Nafisa Collier, Crystal Dangerfield, Renaya Davis, and Jessica Shepard. Unrestricted free agents are Sylvia Fowles, Lasia Clarendon, and Rachel Bannum. No restricted free agents. Uh, one reserve free agent in Bridget Carlton and one suspended contract in Cecilia Zandalassini. They've also got the eighth overall draft pick from Phoenix, first pick in the second round from Indiana, and their own second rounder, and Washington's third round draft pick. Yep, and they have just over $430,000 in cap space. We also recently received news that Nafisa Collier will be expecting her first child in May. Uh, congratulations congratulations. To, to Nafisa Collier and her fiancé, no official word on whether she will miss the whole season or plans on returning for the end of the year. But nevertheless, priorities for this team should be re-signing Sylvia Falls for whatever contract Sylvia Falls wants to take. Any argument there? No, no argument. I think this is pretty clearly a situation of coring Sylvia Falls and then just filling out the roster with whatever else you can fill it out with. Um, if they are able to suspend Collier's contract, that would help. But, you know... I mean, typically you don't want to do that to uh, to your star player who is expecting your first child. So, yeah, I think it's obviously going to be trying to bring Sylvia Fowles back at whatever cost and just making one more run with this roster. You know, we don't anticipate Sylvia Fowles playing much longer. So this is kind of like Chicago, where you're much closer to a championship than you are a total rebuild. So I think you just got to go for it if you're Minnesota. Yeah, the trick comes after Sylvia Falls resigns because they will only have about 200 or so thousand dollars remaining to sign three of Lasia Clarendon, Bridget Carlton, Rachel Bannum. That first round pick that they have from Phoenix, their two seconds, which probably won't factor in it too much, even though, again, one of them is the, the first pick in the second round. So that's a, a pretty good pick. Uh, and Cecilia Zandalassini, who by some reports is ready to come back over for the first time in a while here. So, you know, maybe that number goes up to 278000 or so if Collier is suspended for the full season and, and they can sign four of those options that we laid out here. Uh, and the nice thing about Carlton, I guess, from Minnesota's perspective is, again, she is a reserved free agent here. So you can almost certainly pencil her in for the minimum. But when you bring in that uh, that minimum and you bring Phoenix's first, um, who is, you know, likely to, first round picks are usually likely to make a roster you're not really left with a lot of money to re-sign Leisure Clarendon, who uh, was very, very good for Minnesota last year and really helped turn the Lynx season around. So, yeah, there's there's going to be some tricky maneuvering, I think, for this team. Yeah, and, and speaking of first-round picks, I mean, they're going to be bringing back last year's first-round pick in Renaya Davis. So I don't see much flexibility here for the Lynx um, if, if, if they re-sign Sylvia Fowles to her market value. But that's a good point on Clarendon. I mean, they were a very good player for Minnesota, and they— 
like you said, they, they, they helped turn the Lynx season around. So I don't know. Like if, if you talk about players who whose market values have increased, I think I think Clarendon make a made a pretty darn good case for more money uh, next off season. So yeah, this is this is an interesting one. I, I I don't see much flexibility here, but we'll see what they do. You want to move on to New York? Let's do it. New York again, another team with a full roster worth of players under contract for next season. Natasha Howard, Benajelani, Sammy Whitcomb, Sabrina Unescu. Asia Durr, congratulations to Asia Durr for being cleared for basketball. Yes, congratulations. Uh, Jocelyn Willoughby, Jasmine Jones, Michaela Onyenwede, Kylie Shook, Liana Odom, Didi Richards, and Han Zhu. They also have two restricted free agents, Rebecca Allen and Rashonda Gray. No restricted or reserved free agents and suspended contracts, Maureen Johannes. They have their own first round pick, which should be the fifth pick in the draft, as well as their own third rounder, and about a lower maximum salary worth of cap space here but there's a lot to figure out because this team has a full roster some good players to bring back over uh, a first round pick and probably some cap space ambitions so eric what are your sort of priorities for this team okay so looking at this roster right now um i think a lot depends on if marine johannes will come back to the wnba if she does awesome if she does not well i mean that's that's a a high uh, high ceiling player that you're missing out on uh, but you look at this, all these um, unprotected salaries, there are not a lot, a, a ton of players. Obviously, Onion Wede and UNESCO are, are part of your young core. And depending on, you know, Asia Dur, you know, you would absolutely love to see her come back and be healthy and play at the level at the level you're, you know she can play at. But beyond that, I think there are a lot of contracts that can honestly be let go here. Um, Hanju, not sure if she's a WNBA caliber player right now, like Liana Odom, Kylie Shook, Jasmine Jones. I, I think those are all players who may be kind of on, on the fringe right now. Um, Willoughby, of course, coming back from a uh, an Achilles injury. So you're, you're going to want to look and see how healthy she is. But you say they have a lot of ambitions here. That's true. But I think they've also got some realistic routes to um, to take those, to, to fulfill those ambitions. You know, they have a full roster under contract, but not a lot of those contracts are totally unmovable or are, are, are tying them down, as I've been saying. So there is some flexibility here if you're New York. Yeah, for me, I think the priorities are to add, you know, one or two more high-level veteran players that can kind of really elevate the core. Because obviously this team, when you bring in Natasha Howard and, and Benajah Laney, like those are max players you, you want better than the eighth seed, obviously. And I think those players and, and Sammy Whitcomb and an improving UNESCO and and Onion Wede and, and Willoughby like th- that's all great but you still kind of you know you can't really rely completely on the end of your bench just being all kind of rookie scale contracts I think when when you still have so much flexibility so you know re-signing Rebecca Allen I think is pretty high on their priority list bringing back Maureen Johannes obviously as uh, a high upside player who can give you a little bit more a little bit more punch from the perimeter uh, you know with her her passing and her three-point shooting and can you know, that, that secondary creator can really raise the level of this offensive ceiling, you know, isn't going to help you with the turnovers or anything like that, but, but still, and then like you're saying, figure out kind of which of these young players you really feel good about and be okay about moving on from the rest. Unfortunately, like these are all, they're, they're not training camp contracts, so they are counting against the salary cap. So you kind of need to figure that out before you get an additional camp going, or, you know, maybe you can, cut them and, and re-sign them to training camp contracts. But 
It's not like they kind of have one more camp really to bring in a free agent and kind of do all these things before figuring that out. Like if you want to bring in, you know, if you want to sign a couple more players, you're going to have to let a couple more players go first, essentially. And I think that's the tough thing about where they are. But anything else about the Liberty? No. I mean, it's a tough situation, but it's also not the worst by far of yeah, any of these sure. teams. So I think the Liberty are, are, are in a good spot. Um, let's move on to Phoenix. They've got seven players under contract for 2022. Uh, Diana Tarazi, Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Bria Hartley, Kia Vaughn, Brianna Turner, and Megan Walker. They have a pair of unrestricted free agents in Alana Smith and Sophie Cunningham, a restricted free agent in Kia Nurse, and a reserved free agent in Shea Petty. No suspended contracts. They have their own second-round draft pick in the upcoming WNBA draft and a pair of third-rounders. Yeah, and I think the decision to allow Sophie Cunningham to become an unrestricted free agent by declining her fourth-year option is is really coming back to bite them now because they could really use WNBA-caliber inexpensive players because they— don't have a lot of space, but do have a lot of contracts that they need. They have four open roster spots and not not a ton to, you know, less than $250,000 for at minimum four players, which is, you know, currently constituted enough money for four players at the zero to two year minimum. Like, unless they want to move on from Kia Vaughn and get a little bit more flexibility. So maybe some of those spots can be three plus year minimums. You know, maybe they can even let Kiavon go and bring her back at the minimum, you know, because I, I don't think anyone else is going to be paying Kiavon $110,000 uh, if she's let go. So that's really, by letting Kiavon go, that's the only way that they could maybe muster up some cap space to bring back like a Kia nurse on restricted free agency or, or get someone that can be above the minimum. Um, but either way, you know, they're looking at a lot of minimum contracts and not really any major player in free agency. Yeah, there's almost no flexibility here. Uh, all of Tarazi, Griner, and Diggins Smith are all making well over $200,000 with Hartley just under that. Um, when you've got that much money tied up in at the top of your salary cap, there's just not a lot else you can do. You know, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, they're, they're going to have to, they're almost forced to already uh, load up the rest of this roster with... Um, cheap contracts i mean how else would they be able to get flexibility besides you know trading kia Vaughn or letting kia Vaughn go for something i mean e- either any way you slice it this is not looking like a, an attractive spot in free agency let's move on to an attractive spot in free agency the seattle storm they have five players under contract for 2022 uh, Epiphany prince makia herbert harrigan kennedy burke katie lou samuelson and ezzy magbegar so, I mean, as much as we talk about the blank slate Atlanta has, this is the only team without a single protected veteran contract signed for next season, and that's because their free agency is loaded currently. Unrestricted free agency, we are looking at Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, Sue Bird, and Sierra Burdick. Restricted free agents, Steph Talbot, Mercedes Russell, and Jordan Canada. Reserved free agents, Carly Samuelson, no suspended players. Their draft capital, they have the ninth pick, which is their own, as well as three seconds, including some pretty good ones, Dallas's and New York's, as well as their own. And they have just shy of a million dollars to bring back their own surefire max players and sort of reload around those players. So, you know, let's say, let's say Stewart and 
Lloyd get two Supermax deals, which, you know, maybe one of them ends up coming in a little bit lower than that. But you got to think if they're bringing back both, they're higher than the, the lower maximum here. They'd be looking at 530k in space with still some some pretty good players to bring back and, you know, possibly Bird, Mercedes, Russell, um, stuff like that. So can add a little bit of additional flexibility through maybe letting go of Epiphany Prince uh, at 115k unprotected and, you know, maybe bring her back for a little bit less. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different directions this team could go. Well, whichever direction they they choose to go in, one thing is for certain, they need to do whatever they can to bring both Stewart and Lloyd back. We don't know about Subert. Like, she, we don't know if she's going to be playing next season or how much longer she's going to be playing. I would say it's not for very long, but both Stewart and Jewel Lloyd are super max players. But they've only got one core designation, Stephen. It's been a popular talking point in the community that Jewel Lloyd can move on from this team. Or, I mean... Brandon Stewart can technically move on, I suppose, as well. But um, so much depends on, on on what happens with those two players. They need to do whatever they can to bring them back, clearly. Um, but if just one of those players chooses not to return to Seattle, then that obviously clears up a lot of cap space, but it also changes the outlook for the team dramatically. What are we thinking about that? I mean, Brandon Stewart is the best player in the league. I think you, you have to core her just to not allow for any any chance that that she leaves but then you you just have to come correct with Jewel Lloyd offer her the super max like don't try to kind of i don't know get in at the lower max and and add some additional flexibility out there two super max contracts if those are the only super max contracts like that is extremely doable you know to still build a competent roster around you know you're not looking well, look at who we just talked about with phoenix like that yeah and but they have four max contracts essentially and three super max contracts so the difference between those i mean we were talking about Yes, Connecticut has can only sign eleven players, but they, you know, they're going to have six protected veteran free agents, and you know, essentially, still four max contracts because they they really only have the two super max contracts. So that that extra little bit of difference or whatever it is between the two maxes, you know, it, it really makes a world of difference. So making sure that Lloyd, you know, you are. What she can get from Seattle, she's not going to be able to get from anywhere else. And who knows, you know, if she still leaves after that, what more can you do other than offer her the most allowable money she can receive from any team? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, the most allowable money she can receive from any team with another pretty darn good player in Brianna Stewart. But like you said, come correct or don't come at all. Uh, we'll see what Seattle does. And finally, we will talk about the Washington Mystics, who have six players under contract. I think one of the more interesting teams this offseason season. Those six players, Elena Deladon, Natasha Cloud, Alicia Clark, Ariel Atkins are their protected veterans, as well as Sydney Weiss and Erica McCall. Unrestricted free agents, Tina Charles, Emma Miesemann, Leilani Mitchell, Shavante Zellis, Teresa Plaisance, and Shatori Walker-Kimbrough. Restricted free agent, Maisha Hines-Allen. Reserved free agent, Megan Gustafson. And suspended contract, Clara Lundquist. They have one draft pick total, which is their own lottery pick pretty good one to have, as well as $456,900 to, I guess, bring back one of Emma Miesemann, Tina Charles, and Maisha Hines-Allen. There's really not any plausible way for them to even bring back two of those players uh, at market value. So Eric, how are you prioritizing those three free agent bigs if you are the Washington Mystics? 
Well, Tina Charles made a pretty darn good case for herself last season. I think she exceeded both of our expectations, although granted, the situation was not one that Tina Charles really signed up for, or Mystics in, in general. They had a lot of bad injury luck last season. Um, I would still prioritize Emma Mieseman. Yeah, Char- Charles is the, the oldest of those players, of course. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the tricky thing about Mieseman is you know that she takes her international commitments very seriously. You can pretty much pencil her in for just about any any major kind of international tournament that Belgium would be competing in. Uh, she would be going into her age 29 season. Maisha Heinz-Allen, of course, just a restricted free agent, so you have a little bit more leverage there. But I think I I think I agree with you. Charles has made statements about her being very open to moving on to a new situation. You know, with, with Misamin, you know, I mean, there's just there seems to be a really great relationship there uh, between Misamin and the organization. And I think she's I think she's just a better player than Maisha Hines Allen. You know, Charles obviously made her own MVP case, but is of course uh, an older player. And but this is a team that also has an immediate timeline. You know, there's not really a young player, if it's not Mike Hines Allen, there's not really, I mean, I guess you have your lottery pick that you're going to get, but there's not kind of that, that young player that you're sort of building around on roster currently. And Elena Deladon is older, obviously Natasha Cloud and Alicia Clark are veterans. You know, Atkins is kind of the one, I guess, mid prime, non post prime type player really on, on this roster that you're that, you know, that's a serious part of things. Future Washington mystic, uh, Melissa Smith. But I'm just joking. Um, yeah, this is this is really interesting because a lot depends on, you know, like you said, they there's no plausible way, there's no realistic way, rather, for them to bring back all these players. And I think Tina Charles, is she going to go for the – does she want the, the big contract or does she want to go somewhere where she's got a good chance to win? I think there are I mean, only is, a couple of situations. Washington situa- either of those options for exactly, Charles? Exactly, like – you know, I mean, she's got the coach that she loves in Mike Tebow, and I think that was a big factor in her coming to Washington in the first place. But uh, like, look at looking at what they did last year. I think that kind of put a nail in the coffin as far as Kentina Charles lead. You know, carry a team to a championship. It's just not going to happen. At least not on this roster. They will be getting Alicia Clark back, which I think is, you know, that's that's a pretty darn player, darn good player to be uh, bringing back. But with Deladon's injury history, her recent injury history. I don't know. I, I think Miesemann would be the safer bet, even with the international commitments. Like, that's something... The Mystics have had no problem working through that with Miesemann before. I don't see why that would change now. Um, and Heinz Allen, that just scream, Especially as a restricted free agent, that just screams overpay from some other team to me. I don't... like like, And, and I don't use that word... I don't throw that word around lightly. You know, I, I mean, overpay as far as salary cap is concerned. Relative to the market. Yeah, I think relative, these exactly. are overpaid, but... Exactly. Relative to market. That's that's a good way of putting it. That just that just says um, she can have a larger role plus more money some other team. You know, that the Mystics just simply can't afford to, to, to give her either of those things. So, yeah. And anything else you want to add to that? No, I don't think so. It's, uh, okay. you know, three pretty good players, and it seems very lucky that two of them will be playing for a different team, if not all three. You know, nothing's really... I mean, I guess if you lose Charles and Misamin to free agency somehow, you know, you're you almost certainly just match whatever offer that yeah, Heinz, to, yeah. Heinz Allen gets. But yeah, going to be a, a much different looking team next year with Clark coming back and then hopefully in a, a healthy Elena Deladon. But I, honestly, it's just you you can't count on that anymore. I think unfortunately. So yeah, unfortunately. Um, okay, I think that's going to do it for us. Yeah, I think so. Thank you all for listening. If you want to support the show, you can uh, leave us a 
rate and review, as well as follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at DoubleDownWNBA for the show, at E for Eric, at Trinkwald for myself. And we'll be back next week with things from a more player perspective, thinking about some, some good destinations for some of these players. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, and take care.